And now, Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. Many of you at this table and the folks that you work with have a history of doing work on this continent. And we will benefit, I strongly believe, from hearing from you and from lessons learned. This has been Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. Stu Does America. Head over to StuDoesMerch.com. Use the promo code Stu10. Save 10%. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video right now. Just do it now. Don't wait till the end of the show. The rest of the show might suck, but this moment is really good. So click like. Dan Andrus is going to be here to tell us what happens when women's championship basketball smack talk gets real. Donald Trump heads to New York for his arraignment, and the media breathes a sigh of relief that their jobs are easy again. But we start by doing the Transgender Day of Visibility. Ah, uh, yes, everyone. Did you, did you get your tree up? Did you celebrate over the weekend? I hope you did. It was the International Transgender Day of Visibility. Now, let me ask you a sort of unrelated question. When you want to know what the weather's like, what do you do? Go on, maybe, maybe you're watching some local TV. You see the broadcast there. Maybe you flip on an app. Maybe you're looking at your, uh, uh, your Amazon-based voice I just don't want to say her name because I know it will set off all your devices. That thing. Maybe ask that thing. Maybe ask Siri what's going on, right? Maybe. Maybe you could go to the National Weather Service Twitter feed. And I would say you might think to yourself, well, what's the temperature on this very beautiful International Transgender Day of Visibility? In fact, what's the visibility on the Transgender Day of Visibility? I don't know. And let's go check the National Weather Service Twitter feed. Here's the information you get. To promote justice, equality, and equity for the transgender community, the National Weather Service family champions and stands alongside our transgender employees on this day and every day. Hashtag trans day of visibility. Uh, all right. Okay. I, sure. I mean, I, I don't see mm-hmm. why. Tell us what the weather is. Why don't pe- there's that old Bill Belichick thing. Just do your job. Does anyone just do their job anymore? Everyone has to comment on everything. Shut up. Stop commenting on things. Maybe some things we don't want to hear from you about. Is that possible? How many transgender employees really work at the National Weather Service? Is, are there any? Is there one? Is there five? I mean, look, you could, it's, I guess it's your Twitter feed. You could do whatever you want. But is this really what we need the National Weather Service to be chiming in on? Really? Of course, Biden has got involved as well. He marked International Transgender Day of Visibility by blasting Republicans targeting trans youth. Of course, this is just a playbook, right? The playbook exists. You know to go to it at any point, no matter what happens. Uh, You just go and blame Republicans. We'll get into how deep and dark that whole process is gone as well. But we did get a luckily a message from maybe the most high profile transgendered person in our government. And there are just so many. Happy Transgender Day of Visibility. I am Admiral Rachel Levine, the Assistant Secretary for Health at the Department of Health and Human Services. For the second year in a row, the transgender flag is flying above our department in Washington, D.C. And this is an affirmation of the administration's support for the transgender community and across the nation, as well as our support for evidence-based gender-affirming care. 
We'll get into what maybe uh, Rachel said here in a moment, but pick, keep that visual of Rachel Levine uh, in your head for just a second and think about the name International Transgender Day of Visibility. We can tell. Visibility is not the problem here. We are well aware. We, we are 100% sure what's going on, and we are fully, fully aware that you fall into the T in the LGBTQQIA2 plus community acronym. We are, the visibility is right there for all of us to see. So that one, you've solved it. If your idea was to make sure that trans people can be seen, we can tell. Mission accomplished. Now, 60 Minutes had had an intriguing segment this weekend. They decided to talk to some parents, and they had some interesting thoughts. The headline, 60 Minutes praises they bees and the parents who raise their children with no gender. If you could keep this on the screen here for a minute, it's pretty interesting because, first of all, I don't know what they bees are. But secondly, I want to make sure you note the ad to the, to the side of the screen. Try not to gasp. What strange stuff can you only see in Dallas? And I, every time I, you see an ad like this, I want you to remember there's a reason it's on the screen. It's because it's targeted to my producer. Someone out there, it, the internet never gets anything wrong. All these AI algorithms are working together to say, what does Stu's producer want to see? And that is what they, <laughs> that is what they picked. So every time you see an ad, remember what's going on here. The internet has perfectly de- de- delineated the tastes of my producer and is putting it on the screen for your enjoyment. Um, 60 Minutes uh, had a great, great segment. And uh, they just wanted to inform you that, yeah, you know what babies are. Those are boring. Who, who needs them? In fact, we should just kill them before they're born because that's a rational policy we should all accept. We should act like that's a human right. Let's do that first. But babies are boring. You certainly better not kill babies. I will say this before we get to this clip. I would love to see the debate of whether you're allowed to abort a baby because they're a baby. Because a baby is something different than a baby, as you're about to discover. It might sound extreme, but it's happening all around the world. We're not trying to eliminate gender. We're actually trying to show how limitless gender can be, right? And just really helping kids find their own path to it and follow their lead so that they feel comfortable and authentic. Mm, That's important. In America, someone who knows how it's done is gender creative parenting guru and social scientist, Dr. Kyle Myers. Seven years ago, Kyle and her Australian husband, Brent, had their first baby, Zuma. We didn't assign a gender at birth and we didn't disclose Zoomer's reproductive anatomy to people who didn't need to know. The reproductive anatomy that my kiddo was born with, I didn't want to assign too many labels and assumptions and, you know, destinies on top of that. Right, that would be really weird. Because what you're doing is not weird, but that would be weird. It would be really weird to have a gender and stick to it your whole life. That would be very, very weird. This is a baby, not a baby. A baby is, I guess, a baby that is born, and you tell people if it's a boy or a girl, a baby can just be anything. You don't, t- I guess every, everything's like yellow, a pale yellow, 
And you just kind of roll through life in pale yellow and see how it works. A little bit more from our fabulous Australian family. Kyle has become the poster person for this unconventional parenting style, writing a best-selling book about her own experience. Shocking, she's profiting. So you believe that if, if you're born with a penis, doesn't necessarily make you a boy. Right, right, because right, so a lot obviously. of people who are born with penises identify as a boy, yeah, um, and a lot of people who are born with vulvas identify as a girl. Yeah, a do. big part of that is because they're assigned the boy and girl labels, right, oh. and are socialized as such. Nope. Isn't that confusing for a little child? I think it's actually more confusing oh, yeah. to make children think that what the eight billion people on the planet all neatly fit into one of two boxes. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. That's kind of the way it works. And it's important, of course, to know for medical reasons and so many other reasons. Uh, you need to know. I mean, you, you know, this has happened. where people, people have died because of this. People have women who are women and are pregnant have gone into hospitals and they identify as men and the baby dies because the doctors don't know what could be causing this pain in this region. Oh my gosh, they find out later, oh, it's actually someone who's pregnant. Now, did they know and just not want to say they knew it was a woman and you're probably pregnant? Possibly, but that has actually uh, happened and it'll continue to happen as this gets more and more blown out of proportion. Of course, whenever you bring up anything like this, you know you're a transphobe, you're a phobe-phobe, you're phobic of phobias. And uh, the transphobic label is being uh, thrown around like crazy right now, largely recently, I guess, because of the shooting in Nashville, which is interesting. Trans people face rhetoric and disinformation after the shooting. Now, I don't want to be delicate here. I will be honest with you. I don't want to be delicate. So why should I be? But I will say this. Is it really a big part of this story? Even if it's true that trans people are facing rhetoric after a shooting? A bunch of school children that were nine years old were murdered at school. Why, why the hell is transphobia part of that story? Now, if... A, some evil right-winger Christian went into a school of transgendered people and murdered them because they transgendered, well, then this story might very well make some sense. We actually would all, I think Christians would agree and all go along and say, you know what, that's terrible, that shouldn't be done, that person who did that is not, uh, not, uh, not someone we would consider a Christian at all because that's so against the teachings of what we would consider rational thought among uh, Christians and Christianity in general. But like, isn't it kind of weird that the coverage about a shooting of a bunch of school children who are Christian is about the terror and horror that transgendered people are facing considering it was a transgendered person who actually murdered the children? Should we not maybe come together and recognize the victims of the story are not transgendered people but they are Christian children and teachers at a Christian school. Shouldn't that be the focus of our horror today? And instead, it's the other way around. It's, we're supposed to feel uh, sympathy for transgendered people in this moment. Now, look, if someone 
is saying, well, all transgendered people are bad and therefore we should be you know, brutal to them in some terrible way and using this as evidence that all transgendered people act this way, obviously that's not true and that would be wrong. But it's not really part of this story whatsoever. Part of the story that's interesting here and the part of the story that should move people is the fact that a bunch of kids were murdered. It's what moved me about Newtown. I don't agree with the solutions that the left presents for you know, what has happened in some of our school shootings over the years, but it kills me to see that go on. It kills everybody, I think. But in this case, these victims get no attention, no love, no sympathy. These families are not the ones we're supposed to mourn for. It's people who have the same gender philosophy as the murderer. We saw protesters in Nashville holding up seven fingers to indicate all of the seven victims of this shooting. Six who were actually shot by the murderer and one who was the murderer. We're supposed to now celebrate the murderer in this case. And let me ask you this. If a right-wing person went in and murdered a bunch of transgendered people, what would the media coverage look like? it would look a lot like this coverage. Wow, look at all the terrible things that are happening to transgendered people. And it would make sense in that context to cover that angle of the story. But when it's reversed, and a transgender person goes in and murders Christian children, why does the coverage look exactly the same? It shouldn't be the same. It's not the same story. Why does the coverage look exactly the same when a transgendered person is the one doing the murdering. Have we lost our minds? This is despicable. The media has done a lot of low and despicable things over the years, but ignoring the plight and the horror of families who lost their children at school in favor of a narrative of, bad words being said on Twitter against transgendered people might be the lowest that they can go. And I say that often being corrected days later by the new low that they've created for themselves. This is a, there's a litany of pathetic, pathetic moments in the way that our media and our president, remember our president came out just a couple days after this happened and begged for you to worry about transgendered people. Look, I worry about all people. Transgender people, transgender people are among those people. I worry for them too. I, I, I don't want violence to happen to anybody. But that is not what this story was about. And we're at the point now where we're talking about babies. We're talking about how transgender people are not getting uh, enough uh, love and support from the community when I would ask you to point to a period in human history in any other nation or this one where they got more accepting behavior. Uh, that's never occurred. This is, we are at the peak right now of acceptance of transgenderism, whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing. The bottom line, though, is when a bunch of school children get killed in a school, this, 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 the media should not be running to the same well, the same playbook to beg for us to not be mean to transgendered people. 
Same thing that happened when we had uh, Islamic extremist attacks and we got the pitch that we were supposed, don't be mean to Islamic people. Well, of course you shouldn't be mean to unrelated Islamic people. Of course. Obviously, we all know that. But that is not what the story is about. It's about an extremist ideology. And what we see here with transgendered people in general is something that is really going over the line here. Children are not even being told their own genders. And when you talk to the extreme aspects of this, which we've seen a few times lately, there is a part of this movement that is turning violent. And the media seems to be cheering it on. That, that really needs to stop. We've lost our minds as a country. And you know what? Sometimes it sounds a little bit mean. Sometimes it ruffles some feathers. But the truth can't just die. You have to say what is true. We can't just make up crap and design and redesign and redesign again all of humanity every four days when someone tweets something new. That's not the way civilizations survive. And we will not survive as a civilization if we continue to go down these roads. Inflation has consequences. It does. Yes, I know. We all lived in that MMT world for a while. Oh, modern monetary theory will come and save the day. We can print money forever. Well, no, we got the inflation kick that we all kind of predicted. And as the Fed raises interest rates to combat that out of control government spending, long term bonds have diminished in value, crippling banks. Depositors are holding their breath and investors are bailing on bank stocks. Diversification has never been more important, and we've seen that now with the recent surge in gold prices. It's directly tied to all this volatility. That's why gold has historically been a great hedge against whatever's going on in the stock market and against inflation in general. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert into an IRA or 401k, uh, into an IRA, into precious metals. Look, all you have to do is get the info on this and really understand it. Text Stu to the number 989898 and get a free info kit on gold. It'll help you uh, convert your existing IRA or 401k that's tied to a volatile market into an IRA in physical precious metals, gold and silver. And the best part, it's tax sheltered. Uh, you can text Stu to the number 989898 uh, and get your free info kit on gold today. They got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews. You're going to love dealing with Birch Gold. It's Stu, that's my name, to the number 989898. Text it there today. It's Birch Gold. Okay, I want to say something that's going to drag you in. That's my job as a broadcaster. I want to draw you in. I want to keep you here. So I'm going to tell you we're about to talk about women's basketball. So I know you're locked in now. Uh, I want to bring in Dan Andros. Uh, he's the managing editor of Faithwire.com and host of the Quick Start podcast, which you can subscribe to now wherever you get your podcast. Dan, how's it going? It's going great. If you would have had this on my 2023 bingo card that you and me would be talking about women's basketball, you know, wouldn't have had it. Wouldn't have guessed it. I, I thought the same thing. We've been watching basketball together since we were kids. I mean, 30 plus years now. Never did I think I would say this. And I want to see if you agree with this. I think the women's tournament has more juice in it right now than the men's tournament does. I It did. I mean, and mostly because of one player. But uh, there were some good games on the men's side, but there weren't any. I mean, there were some great games, but it didn't have 
like the personalities, the players, and at least the women's tournament had one. Yeah, drew me in. I would have never watched this thing if it wasn't for her. <laughs> and I, I went from having no knowledge and watching zero minutes of of, <laughs> of women's basketball this entire year to fully on the Caitlin Clark mania. Yes, I, I went from zero to sixty really quick on this. But I think it's a fascinating story. If you don't know, basically Caitlin Clark is a women's basketball player. She plays for Iowa. Iowa made a big run in the women's tournament, and she's a pretty special player in that she like is bombing threes from near half court almost on every. Every play, she, which we love. That's we love. like what we love. That's what I love about basketball. I love the the offensive show, and you know, this is the. She looks like basically how I would have played in high school if I were good. I took right. those same yes. shots. I just missed them. Um, right. Yes, you, you tried. You were there. Dan actually took yes. them and made them, but I took <laughs> them and missed them, and that's basically how we played. So we kind of got into this, and it was interesting to watch. It really did draw me in. She gets the ball almost on every play, and there's something charming about the, just the whole thing, and that like she doesn't look like a like a superstar athlete. She looks like a girl I would have sat next to in accounting class. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's very unassuming. It's that John Stockton sort of looks just like a businesswoman or something like that. <laughs> And then she just runs around I me. Mean, she's not jumping out of the gym or anything. She's she's pretty quick, but she just runs around firing it off from everywhere, making good plays. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's just compelling to watch. Yeah. Now, obviously, this is just a bizarre thing to talk about women's basketball. But yeah. the reason we bring it up is because there's a larger cultural thing attached to it here. Because uh, Caitlin Clark, the Iowa won their final four game, went to the finals, wound up losing in the in the finals. And in the finals, it took there's a sort of a turn here. Uh, LSU's Angel Reese answers critics of her title game taunt. She says, I'm going to be me. And what what I think is interesting about that is, first of all, people are look, I'm sorry if you're an LSU women's basketball fan. No one's going to remember you on this title. No one cares Uh, (laughs) if you have followed women's basketball forever. Maybe you care. Nobody else cares. Everyone's going to remember this as the Caitlin Clark tournament. And she yeah. brought in a lot of new fans to this. And there's this idea that you're, they were attacking her at the end of this game, kind of mocking her. And frankly, I'm fine with a little trash talk. Dan, we went back to the day. We, we watched Jordan play. Larry Bird was your favorite player back in the day. Kings mm-hmm. of trash talking. I have of no course. problem with trash right. talking whatsoever. Nope. I think yeah. what bothers me here is the the self victimization, right? There's this there's always this aspect where people just constantly create the the this mythical vision of them being um, disrespected and uh, victimized by everyone else, everyone else around them. Let me give you this quote, and I want you to comment on this phenomenon. This is from the article from the Washington Post. All year, I was critis- critiqued <laughs> about who I was. Reese said, who was named as a first-team All-American for her season-long production. I don't know. It seems like people kind of recognized you were good the whole year. Yeah. I mean, it's very bizarre. Like, I was watching, I think we were texting, like, before the game, LSU is, like, talking about how they were mad at um, Iowa for the way they played defense against South Carolina. They packed it in the paint because South Carolina had a bunch of, like, seven-foot-tall girls. and they they were like we're that was disrespectful like what do you mean it's disrespectful they're just it's a strategy <laughs> like make your shot yeah. and also that wasn't you that wasn't your team like like what what I, look whatever if that gets you pumped up for the game then great congratulations you got pumped up but what where it really got weird was at the end Stu because um Reese did the 
she she first of all she like followed Caitlin Clark who if we're talking about double standards here um Caitlin Clark got called for a technical foul for throwing just kind of flicking the ball away yeah. very minor thing and they instantly called a technical foul on her a huge part of the game and now Reese at the end of the game there's a couple seconds left she's following Caitlin Clark and doing the you can't see me thing which was a which she was taunting because Caitlin Clark had done that a couple games earlier briefly, uh, but it went viral because she was walking off the court and she went like that. But Caitlin Clark wasn't doing it at anyone. She was just, uh, from the best of my knowledge, just did this kind of, and I don't know why she chose that, but she was walking off the court, not directing at any team, certainly not anyone on LSU because they were playing Louisville a couple games earlier when this happened. And so she's, pointing at her the game's over and she's like going ring and like making these really just mean faces and it's like the game is over and so i tweeted this was classless and that was actually trending classless was and everyone's like oh so when one girl does it it's okay and then the other one does it, it's not okay and i'm i'm banging my head against the wall because i'm like these are not the same thing like you said trash talk during the game is fine like if you were going back and forth with Caitlin Clark during the game and having a duel and she's doing this and then you do it back, everyone understands that. That's completely normal. You did nothing the whole game. Wait till the end of the game when it's over. The horse is dead. The, the horse is completely dead. There's a corpse on the ground. And then you walk over and start kicking it. Like, that's classless. I'm sorry. That's not normal trash talk. And everyone's like, oh, but the, when the women do it, then then you complain. Uh, but when the men do it, nobody says anything. And I'm going to tell you why nobody has to say anything when the men do it, because I guarantee you, Stu, if a dude tried to do what Reese did to Caitlin Clark, it would get dealt with right then and there. Oh, yeah. You would get punched in the face and you'd be throwing you'd be throwing down if you tried to do that to somebody after a game when it's over right because that's like the super safe time to trash talk when the other team can't do anything about it right like to do something in that moment you want to trash talk someone you trash talk them as the game's going on when the game's already over and there's no way right it's like it's just pathetic i mean i look they're learning i suppose maybe women are learning how to how to do this i I mean they're usually a lot nicer (laughs) maybe that's but what's interesting to me Stu, is the reaction like you were saying because i tweeted that it was classless but it's like I'm not outraged by it. It's just like, I just thought, eh, like it was whatever. Like it you shouldn't have done it. It was classless, right? Like I'm not throwing her out and like criticize, but then everyone's jumping in and saying, wait a minute, this double standard. And of course, implying a race thing, like, no, it, it does. It has nothing to do with her race. It was just the action. And it's the whole thing is ridiculous that people, they just jump into their narratives without it's that same thing we always talk about. You don't look at an actual situation and evaluate it. You think about your narrative and then you try to make it fit. Yeah, there's something about the human brain that does this. If they're like if you're walking through the woods, a forest, and there is a a path that's well-worn through the forest, you're likely to go that way, right? You're not going to cut a new mm. path through a bunch of trees where there's where there's nowhere to go. You're going to follow the path that has already been done. And the race thing has already been done. It's pre-built into this and there was all the coverage leading in I think some of the announcing in the middle of the game was like this it was pointing to the idea that Caitlin Clark is America's sweetheart because she's white and and these other girls on this other team LSU who are even beating them still no one cares about them because they're black now of course this is an insane narrative as they pointed out Caitlin Clark 
broke all the records of Cheryl Swoops, who was the last time I remember this being sort of a phenomenon when we were you know, probably in high school. And she was black. Diana Taurasi was born in Argentina. She's like a lot of the female stars have gone this way. This one just happens to be white. And because of that, the race thing has to be part of it. And honestly, the LSU players brought this to the forefront in their postgame comments. I want to play this for you. This is uh, the same player, Angel Reese, who, uh, who, again, like combined Dan here and watch for this. Both the victimization, the self-victimization. Oh, everyone's against me. Everyone's criticizing me all the time. And then, of course, the very, very not so subtle racist accusations. Watch. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, all year I was critiqued about who I was. What? Nobody, I don't, yeah, yeah, the narrative, I don't what fit narrative? the narrative. Just I don't words. fit in the box that y'all want me to be in. What, what box? What are you I'm talking about? I'm too hood. I'm too ghetto. Y'all told what, me that too, all year. Who, who told you that all year? Who told you you were too it. ghetto all year? Who told y'all you that? Y'all don't say nothing. So this was for the girls that look like me. That gonna, that's going to speak up on what they, they believe in. It's unapologetically you. And that's what I did it for tonight. This was for the more than, it was bigger than me tonight. It was bigger than me. Twitter is going to go into rage every time. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I feel like I've grown, helped grow women's basketball this year. I'm super happy and excited. So I'm looking forward to celebrating you know, in the next season. Allow me, Dan, quickly to point one thing out. <laughs> and this may be a controversial statement. I don't know why it is, but it may be controversial. Mm-hmm. I think Black I people do not all look alike. Because you're black and you're saying all oh, the people that look like me, they don't look like you. They look like other individual black people and you look like yourself. That's it. Yes. That's not how people they don't No race all looks alike. Can we stop saying that? Right. Yes, I, I agree with you 100 percent. And I'm going to take it a step further here, Stu. Is she trying to say that there's some big problem with acceptance of black players in basketball. <laughs> um, I I would say it's probably the reverse. At try being a white guy and playing a ba- in a basketball game, and I mean, we've all been there as a decent guy at basketball who's white, and you get in a game where the majority players are not white. Guess who is getting all the criticism and getting all the taunts and all the jeers and everything else? Like none of the shots. None of the shots. So unless it's in a wide open 15 footer, that's about all you get. That's about all you get. So, but I mean, she's sitting here trying to say like for all the people who look like like everyone in the sport, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. That's a great point. Look, I mean, we can all agree there have been lots of prejudices in uh, in, this, uh, sure. in this world in the past, especially. It's it's you know not as bad as it once was, but like really for a long time there hasn't been a lot of that as players in basketball. That's just really not been a thing. I mean, we live in a country where thirteen percent of the population is black, and I believe seventy five percent of the NBA players are black. I just don't like, and and it's it's also just this thing. This is a, a, a woman who has, and, and, and uh, she's in college. You could tell she's Sorry. obviously been I did dump it. Look, I, I'm, I'm glad the things I did when I was in 20s and said when I was in 20 aren't on, aren't on the air everywhere. I mean, I, it's totally true. Glad. Like you can tell, like this is not someone who maybe has put a lot of deep thought into these issues. I got it. But like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like you, this is a highly celebrated athlete. She's a first team All-American. 
She won, I believe, the outstanding player of the of the game or the tournament. I don't know. She was one of the. Not the game. It couldn't have been the game. That'd be a travesty. That would be forty five. There you go. But, but the bottom line is, this is a person who is highly and expected. I understand by watching the coverage to be the number one overall pick in the WNBA draft. This is not someone who is oppressed. This is someone who is widely celebrated for her athletic abilities yeah. and. The fact that, like, they want to turn this into a race issue. They want to turn it into a victimization issue. They want to turn it into, like, Caitlin Clark is bad because, because what? Because she's good at a sport? Yeah. Is she allowed to be? I mean, this is just right. a, a r- ridiculous, ridiculous narrative. It is. And, like, Caitlin Clark didn't even know that she was doing that. Like, <laughs> no, that, that was, like, the funny thing to me is that um, Reese was so irrelevant in the game that at the end when she was trying to even taunt, nobody noticed it. I mean, she like Clark just completely ignored it um, and didn't even see it. Um, but to me, this reeks of, she knows she looks bad and it, this is just trying to like wiggle out of it. Yeah. Like it, it just was not a good look to, to do the taunt after the game, but the timing of it really is the, is the problem with it for me and the unrelatedness to anything that like Caitlin Clark did literally nothing to her that I'm aware of at all. And when she did it in the Louisville game, Caitlin Clark, it was apparently because they were talking trash at her the whole game. And so she just, and she just did the one little gesture. And it's like, that's completely the reasonable and the time to do it in the game when you're lighting things up and you're, and you're going off and they're, they're trash talking at you. That's when you do it. Not after the game, somebody completely who did nothing to you directly. I, I mean, unless she said stuff during the game, which she hasn't said, she said that at all. No, I, so I, it's, 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 it makes no sense. It just, it just is ridiculous. It makes no sense. All right. And I'll leave you with this. This is by the way, Caitlin Clark's uh, response to this. All you can do is hold your head high, be proud of what you did and all the credit of the world to LSU. They were tremendous. They deserve it. And honestly, I had no idea. I was just trying to spend the last few moments on the court with, especially the five people I've started 93 games with and relishing every second of that. That's class. That's what that is. A villain. Yeah, but a villain. villain in this one. All right, Dan Andrews, managing editor of FaithWire.com. Dan, we just did 15 minutes on women's basketball. Who women's basketball. I know. That's a record. I'm going to turn into tune into Quick Start tomorrow. I assume there's going to be expanded coverage on this topic. <laughs> Dan Andrews, thanks for coming on the program. All right, thanks, guys. Now, I don't know if you're going to New York to protest, but New York police are ready to respond to your protests at uh, the Trump arraignment. Uh, You, as we know, you're very likely to raid a building, maybe burn it to the ground. That's the type of person you are. Uh, Look, I know you. You're just like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, Eric Adams, the mayor of of New York, said to Marjorie Taylor Greene that she needed to be on her best behavior if she's going to come protest, which is... uh, Totally normal. This is all normal, guys. Just get used to it. This is all very, very normal. Uh, Media organizations, including CNN, are seeking to unseal the Trump indictment and ask to broadcast the proceedings Tuesday. Of course, they want to milk this for everything it's worth. They have had terrible ratings lately. They want to make this into as big a deal as possible so that you're constantly talking about them and, and Trump and I mean, it brings, it puts asses in the seats. We know that's true. It's what Trump has said since the beginning, and he's 100% right on that. Trump lawyers are opposing the cameras at the arraignment, at least publicly, warning of a circus-like atmosphere. Now, look, Trump did a lot of good things in office. There's a lot of good things you can say about him. 
Maybe there's even a couple bad things you could say about him. But one thing you could say for sure is he absolutely adores the circus-like atmosphere. This is what he's made his whole life on. His whole life has been a circus-like atmosphere since he came into our, in the public eye in like the 70s. The, uh, he just doesn't want cameras around. Of course he wants cameras around. Uh, he knows how to dominate a media cycle. It's hilarious to watch this happen. And now Trump today flew from Florida up until New York. And what did the coverage look like? Do you remember the O.J. Bronco chase? Do you remember uh, Michael Jackson dying? And uh, do you remember the overhead flyover L.A. car chase uh, videos from back in the day? Uh, Princess Diana's funeral. It was it was that type of coverage. Multiple helicopters up in the sky watching the car go from Mar-a-Lago to the airport. Everyone watching the plane hit the ground at the airport and taxi to the runway and the car drive from there to Trump Tower. Now, Look, if Donald Trump did not want this to occur, how would he proceed in this moment? Maybe instead of flying the giant jet with his name on the side, maybe he'd, I don't know, go to NetJets and get a uh, smaller jet to kind of fly in under the radar and maybe around 1 a.m. get on it and fly there and land around 4 a.m. and then get to his, uh, his hotel or his uh, the Trump Tower before anyone even knows he's there. He could have done that. He didn't do that because, of course, he wants this entire day to be dominated by everyone looking at his plane as if something important was going on, which, by the way, it's not. Him flying from Florida to New York is not at all interesting. We all know what's going to go on here. What's interesting, of course, is the larger case that they want to milk as well. And what's funny about this, and I find it just to be absolutely hilarious, is that Donald Trump is so good at manipulating these people, they're falling into all of the same traps that they fell back into in 2015 all the way up until today, which is when Donald Trump wants to be on TV, they're going to put him on TV. They're going to act like they're getting him. Oh, we're getting Donald Trump this time. When they all know this is going to help him in the primary, it's going to help his chances to become president of the United States, in my view, certainly to get to the point where he's the Republican nominee. This is nothing but good for him. And putting him on TV like they used to air every one of his speeches is just another step in Donald Trump fan service, essentially. People hate him on one side, so they got to have him on TV all the time so they can say how much they hate him and they can say how bad it is and what a wonderful thing this is that they finally arrested this obvious criminal. And on the other side, everyone gets so upset about how, oh, I can't believe they're arresting this guy, which is really unprecedented and something incredibly notable. But the bottom line is this is just expert media manipulation by Donald Trump. I can tell you with 100% certainty that it was people in the Trump camp that leaked his exact departure time, that leaked his exact flight uh, plans, that leaked exactly where he was going, so all these helicopters would be up there at the right time. I mean, listen to Maggie Haberman talk about this. She acts as if, and she is, in contact with Donald Trump regularly. This is a person who writes nonstop hate about uh, Donald Trump, and yet he still talks to her because he loves this stuff, and he knows that he is dominating dominating the media cycle right now. And this is nothing but good for his fundraising, good for his campaign, and he is trolling them to the ends of the earth. So you give Donald Trump a heck of a lot of credit there, but I will say I'm very, very concerned about all these helicopters overhead, watching this car, driving from Mar-a-Lago, then in New York, overhead. Think of all the fuel they're using. Think of the emissions. 
Think of the damage being done to our Earth. This is the largest existential threat to our society, yet somehow it justifies having five helicopters in the sky to take pictures of a car driving through Manhattan. I, you know, it's almost like they don't actually believe any of the crap they're spewing. Well, remember the Chinese spy balloon? I mean, the, I mean, the Chinese weather balloon. I'm sorry. I know they told us it was a weather balloon. And a lot of people on the left and some of the some people even on the right were telling us, by the way, just what, what makes you believe that was a spy balloon? I don't know. It seems a little peculiar. But then we were told, OK, maybe they were going after some spy type uh, data. They were trying to get some data up uh, to the back to the Chinese military. Um, but Biden stepped in and he acted quickly and he blocked all of that. Uh, data. Um, well, update to that story weeks later when no one's talking about it anymore. The Chinese spy balloon gathered intelligence from sensitive U.S. military sites despite U.S. efforts to block it. Shocking shot. They're actually saying, I remember initially it was just it was just a weather balloon. It's blowing around wherever it blows. What's the big deal? They now have information that it was doing actual figure eights around military establishments. Ooh, the wind. That's a weird wind. It's a weird wind. It's almost like they were just flying over there to try to get more data. Who knew? Uh, also, we do have a new entry into the Republican presidential race. Asa Hutchinson has announced his 2024 presidential bid, and he says Trump should drop out of the race. Uh, good luck with that. That's really uh, it's going to be likely. Um, now, he would come from the, the I guess, the anti-Trump moderate sort of wing of, of the party here, uh, like in that, you know, Larry Hogan, who's already said he's not going to run. Uh, Liz Cheney, who's not even a Republican, probably not going to run either. If from that realm, right, someone who's going to come out and be highly critical of Trump, there's not really any room for that in the Republican Party right now. I mean, I, I think anybody who wants to run should be able to run if he thinks he has an argument. Uh, if he really wants to have 0% in a couple primaries, he has the right to do so. But, like, there's just the appetite is not there among primary voters for a candidate like Asa Hutchinson right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, this will likely be something to raise his profile and, and that's about it and it won't raise it very high it certainly will not go as high as a chinese spy balloon okay so here's what happened you ever have that moment where maybe you're in college and you maybe did a power hour the night before and you wake up in the morning you're all hungover, and you just got to get some food down your throat and you're stumbling around your dorm and you see that cup of noodles, the ramen noodles from last night sitting there and it's like, this sounds like a terrible idea, but I'm going to go for it anyway. And you slurp down the ramen noodles. That sounds like a terrible idea uh, and usually is. But you know who disagrees with the idea that it's a terrible, terrible concept? The people who make ramen noodles. Yes, the cup of noodles people have introduced cup of noodles breakfast. (laughs) Cup of noodles breakfast, maple syrup, pancakes, sausage and egg, ramen noodles and sauce. Now they're saying it's a limited edition, but this is obviously going to catch on really, really fast. And I will say, if one of these flavors is something that I can actually eat, I will taste test it for you on Stew Eats America. I'll give it a shot just to see. 
breakfast noodles. I mean, what, what, do, they, what do they think of next? Nick uh, writes in a YouTube comment. Stu, I really look forward to Veep Thoughts. They are so inspiring. It's a true community service. That's true. By the way, you can go to veepthoughts.com and see the entire series. I think we're over 40 of these things now. Idiotic moments from Kamala Harris for everyone in your life to enjoy. It's veepthoughts.com. We encourage you to share them. We'll see you tomorrow.